you know, faith to me is the void, the shortage, and the, the obstacles because your faith is limited. Because faith itself should be unlimited, and we can't fathom the size, scope, and scale of faith. True confidence is having clarity, balance, and focus. That allows you to utilize the power of attention and intention to create the coincidences that you want. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Next Level University, where we teach you how to level up in your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. No matter where you are now or where you've been, there is a next level. We bring you seven episodes a week, six of which are solo episodes with Kevin and myself and one world-class guest to help you get there. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our friend and mentor, David Meltzer of The Playbook Podcast. Let's bring on my all-star coaching clients. They've been around since I was a young man, the next level university, these two are next level, Kevin Palmieri, Alan Lazarus, my two boys, show people what we do in a coaching session, how to come prepared and bring it. Well, let's do it, Dave. Thank you again for the time as always. So our good friend, Evan Carmichael says that everybody has Michael Jordan level talent in something. You're really good and really proficient at many things. What is the one area where you have Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan level talent? And how did you figure that out? Effectively communicating is a quantum potential of mine that's much higher than other people's in this lifetime. Uh, so we all have quantum potentials. And part of the process or journey is finding what we're best at and then leaning into that by enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of it. Basketball is not. Although I was born in the same hospital as LeBron James and Steph Curry, basketball is not a quantum potential. So what we want to do is lean into our own skills, our knowledge, and our desire. See, our desire usually will pick out something that we have a higher potential of, but a lot of times it also will be confusing because we haven't explored other things that we even have a higher potential of. So for me, I had a quantum love for sports. I just picked a sport that, you know, I'm an average division three college football player. Well, plenty of people would think that's a high potential, but I, for example, in effectively communicating the ability to articulate value, to exceed what I'm asking for, to communicate effectively, to know what people are listening for and to have them hear what I say, not just listen to what I say, but actually hear what I say and then execute on that. That's a gift that far exceeds any athletic ability that I have. Uh, although it doesn't diminish the love that I have for it or the enjoyment I have pursuing my potential, because I still think the closest I've come to my potential is to be an average division three football player. But if I can get that close to my effective communication ability, that potential, that quantum nature that I have inherited genetically and energetically, oh boy, look out. We're going to inspire and empower that billion or more people that we're looking to empower and inspire. Dave, can I you, follow up real quick? Yeah, real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah. When you're reviewing your effective communication, how do you know how well you're actually doing compared to what you're capable of since that's an unconscious competency for you? Yeah, so what we have to do, and it's really dangerous in speaking because there's a, there's a 10% rule in speaking that beginning speakers all fall into this trap, including I did. And here's the deal. When you speak, about 10% of the people are on your frequency. So no matter what you say, they're going to understand it and be inspired by it. They're going to resonate with them. It's going to connect to them. So when you're looking at your potential as a quantum 
ability, your potential to clear the interference, not just between you and the most powerful source of light, love, and lessons, but the ability to appreciate it and communicate it without interference to other people. We have to deal with the 90% that most people don't think about. See, when you do a speech to 100 people and 10 people come up to you and say, that's the greatest speech I've ever heard. Oh my God, it resonated so well. It changed my life. You walk away thinking, I'm amazing. I'm an amazing communicator. My quantum being must be exceptional when it comes to communicating not true that's just the spectrum that's natural see what we want to do is try to figure out as an intelligent follower what people are listening for and then go to the people that are listening for it and see if they are hearing what you say because it's not what you say it's what they hear and if we can quantify the next 10 percent and the next 10 percent if you could do a speech and 90 percent of the people wait an hour so that they can tell you how grateful they are or you see and it resonates and you have people coming to you saying not only did i I hear you, Dave, but I've done. I say thank you before I go to bed and when I wake up and my life has changed and you start quantifying the effects and impacts that you're having, you will see a difference, a differentiator of why certain people are great communicators and others are just communicating to the frequency that is already tuned into themselves. Dave, you've mentioned it twice already. People, what you say versus what people hear. How do you personally know and I think what you mean by that is that they're actually hearing what you mean, meaning they understand it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or can execute on it, right? So uh, it comes from Lou Holtz, who was the head coach at Notre Dame. He, and he quoted, I quoted him years ago. He said it and it just struck me. I'm like, man, your team just, they went out there and they kicked butt. You just inspired them. They were in spirit, connected to and through you. And he said, it's because it's not what I said in the locker room, Dave. It's what they heard, meaning, as Michelangelo said, it's how they feel, right? So from what you say to how they feel, to put what you say and energy and motion into an inspiration of an emotion that then propels them to execute on maybe not exactly what you say, but something even better. This transference, this transformation of energy from what I say to what they feel, to how they execute on what they feel, to elevate others, to elevate themselves, empower others, to empower others. All of these different things are in the context of effectively communicating. If you're effectively communicating, they will feel something. They just won't hear something. I've been listening to you all day today, Dave. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was credibility. And if you were 100, this is your exact words. If I was 100% credible, I could ask all of you to wire $100,000 to my bank account and you would ask me for my, a million. <laughs> <laughs> and you would literally do it. Why do you believe other people? Because it's not the message, it's the messenger. It's both, obviously. But the messenger matters, the credibility underneath the communication. So how do you personally make sure your credibility is consistently increasing as well as your communication skills? I trust and vet myself. I go through everything that I'm thinking, saying, and doing with a fine-tooth credibility comb. I'm listening to myself, see if there's any exaggeration, any overselling, back end selling, manipulation, or lying going on, even if it's subconscious. You know, I tell a story about how when I sold my office building, my wife and I, who I've asked to be part of my fine tooth comb, I've asked her to call me on my BS so that I can practice not 
that inheritance that I received, the unfortunate inheritance of overselling, backend selling, lying, manipulating, cheating genetically and energetically. So I told a friend of mine, hey, I sold my office building and I bought a studio. Well, the truth is I partnered in the studio. I didn't buy it. And so my wife called my bullshit out right there at the dinner table in front of everybody, which most people have been mad and embarrassing, but it was just a better way to learn a lesson that there's no reason because nobody cares whether I bought a studio or I partnered in the studio. But for some reason, my inheritance made me want to feel worthy that I somehow, you know, have expanded or grown in some value that is just an illusion of my own self-worth. And so I'm learning these lessons about worthiness through these lessons of communication of why I say certain things that aren't credible. And the minute someone catches you not being credible, man, the acceleration occurs down a wormhole of not even believing what is true, right? It's the ultimate boy that cries wolf. If you exaggerate something, oversell, back and sell, or manipulate someone, they now are listening to everything you say, thinking it's not true, manipulative, or exaggerating. Mm. Um, Kevin and I both talked prior to this about self-worth and we've been, we've been trying to understand self-worth at a deeper level. And you just mentioned it there regarding worthiness. How do you know the difference between true authentic self-worth and ego? Wow. I'm working on that. Um, and the way that I do so is to understand the triggers of the ego that are interfering with what I already am. See, my faith tells me that there's a greater source of all power, all knowing, omniscient being, and that I have to utilize the fact that I'm connected, I'm part of that, that's walking with me inside of me. And so if all of that power is walking inside of me, if I have, as Bob Proctor says, enough power in my pinky to light up all of Manhattan, if that's really true, then I must be worthy, right? I, I must be worthy. So then I can shift my perspective to not if I'm worried, uh, worthy, but instead, what am I doing to interfere with that? See, so if I don't feel 100% worthy, or I'm diminishing my capacity, or dissolving my credibility of worthiness, then I have to figure out what am I doing, what triggers are apparent in my life to interfere with the fact that I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am happy, I am worthy, I am more than enough. What am I doing to diminish that, to interfere with that? That's my chief concern. Dave, on every time we start these, I always try to say I'm grateful for the time. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I think gratitude is huge when it comes to not getting lost in the law of familiarity, obviously. What do you do to make sure that the law of familiarity doesn't creep in? I'm sure it does. And if it does, what do you do to make sure you're checking in with that to, to get rid of it again? Well, there's a daily filter that I use and ask myself, you know, what am I taking for granted? that other people are wishing for. Mm -hmm. And during the pandemic, especially right now, it's so easy to frame things in the context of how much we take for granted. My breath, my family, the ability to go outside, to share a meal, all, all type to travel, to leave my home. So in order to exercise the muscle of gratitude, then I have to have a perspective of finding, seeking, the light, seeking the love, seeking the lessons. If I'm just sitting here passively taking things for granted that, you know, yeah, I say thank you before I go to bed and when I wake up, I say thank you to people most of the time when they do things for me. But what are you taking for granted? Are you taking for granted things that other people are wishing for? I guarantee it. 
And so when I have that as a filter, I remind, remember, and recollect that I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, and that I'm not going to take for granted for what other people are wishing for or what I used to wish for. I did that, this is how I lost everything, right? I had everything I ever dreamed of and took it all for granted with no gratitude, no forgiveness, no accountability, and living my life with interference instead of effectively communicate with the most powerful source of love, light, lessons without interference and allowing myself to live inspired in spirit at all times. Dave, if you could go back and talk to that old version of Dave before 2008 um, and you could only say one sentence and he would really hear it, what would that sentence be? Well, it was 2006 uh, when oh. my wife helped me through my transformation, two years before I lost everything. Um, but it's really simple. Ask for help. Asking for help is the key sign of radical humility, of the ability to be ignorant and humble, to understand you don't know what you don't know, to surrender while you're giving your best, to be a ferocious Buddha, to be as ferocious as you can, like a dog holding onto a tire and it won't let go, but yet I'm allowing everything to happen from the exercise of giving everything I have to do the best I can and to learn lessons and to have fun. I would tell myself simply, ask for help, find someone that sits in the situation you wanna be in and ask them for help. That's the easiest way to get to where you wanna be, son. A shameless plug too, these guys are the absolute real deal. For anyone who's listening to this, Kevin and Alan are the realest guys. They're gonna go so far and they're so early in their journey still because I just know how far they have to go. And everything that they teach, everything that they preach and they're doing is the same exact stuff top of the top guys are doing. They literally have mimicked it to a T. So I absolutely shameless plug for those guys. They have all the greatest intentions to just simply help people grow and want to accomplish their dreams. And so I absolutely just want to want to say that and, and, and let you guys know that you guys are doing an incredible job with everything that you guys are doing for just the, the community that you guys are building. And, you know, I love to see it and, you know, I can't wait to be able to do more stuff with you guys. One more question from me the, the, that just came up. I read a book called The Self-Made Billionaire Effect. It was a while ago. And they, there was one common denominator. They studied a bunch of billionaires. And they said that a billionaire, at least in this study, the research they did, could hold two seemingly opposing ideas in their consciousness simultaneously. Dave, you do that constantly. And I've noticed it. You know, you, you have two seemingly opposing ideas in your consciousness all the time and in what you talk about are you i guess how do you explain that to someone who might be young and doesn't understand what i just said um and then also are you explicit in telling people about that i haven't been as explicit in telling everyone about it but as i have deeper relationships especially in the coaching area with people like you i will articulate the uh, fact that you can have two or three uh, completely conflictual ideas existing in your conscious once you understand the speed of thought, right? The speed of thought allows us to focus and refocus. It's uh, understanding the aspect that we can only focus in on one thing, but yet we can have multiple things that we refocus in on faster than the speed of light. So when I'm sitting here on the office hours, doing my emails, talking to you, listening to you, processing it, 
what I'm actually doing is holding these different thoughts. They can be conflictual or synergistic or supplementary to one another. That's just arbitrary and capricious. It has no effect on the fact that the truth is that I can gather enough data from the ability to think quicker than the speed of light because thoughts move faster than the 186 miles per second that exists from the 24 hours of activity that we have from the time light leaves the sun to earth is how our clock is established. We're provided 24 hours of activity, activity get paid for, activity we don't get paid for. And I'm able and capable of using my thoughtfulness to gather enough data on conflicting supplementary and synergistic thoughts in order to effectuate what appears to other people as one conscious thought with two differing or three differing uh, facts or data points to it. No, they're completely separate because our thoughtfulness can only focus in on one thing at a time. We refocus as quickly as we can on multiple things in order to effectuate and process data into the realm of the speed of light where it appears as if we're holding it all at once. That's where the term multitasking comes in. You can't multitask at the speed of light but you can multitask by gathering multiple refocus points in the thoughtfulness state and then allow it to appear as activity in the speed of light, which then constructs itself as conflicting views, conscious uh, continuums that are confusing to other people. This is one of the core studies that I'm doing right now is how to utilize the speed of thought in the speed of light. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen back to that a couple of times, I think. <laughs> um, Dave, this is something Alan and I are trying to figure out. And as we get around different people, you see the perception of the human and you see the reality of the human. And sometimes that comes with insecurities and, and things like that. From your studies and from your surroundings of different humans, what do you think true, real confidence is? Like, what is actual confidence? Clarity balance, weighted balance, and focus. True confidence is having clarity, balance, and focus. That allows you to utilize the power of attention and intention to create the coincidences that you want. Creating the coincidences that you want creates the confidence. Confidence is the clearing of the interference between you and the truth. The truth is how you perceive the truth, which is the clarity of what the truth is, the balance of the truth, and the focus in on the truth. It's another way of putting into context the mathematical equation of faith and luck. Attention plus intention equals coincidence. Coincidence is confidence. Confidence is created from clarity. Clarity of what you want, balancing it within the context of your values, and focusing in on who and how to get it done. So the more corrosion you clear, the more confident you're capable of being. No doubt, because you have a clearer connection to the greatest source of omniscient, all power, all knowing. That's only going to give you more confidence energetically than anything else. Why do you think that's such a, and like to me, that's the first time I've ever heard it put any way like that. Why do you think that's such a common misconception about what confidence actually really is? Because ego is what most people think confidence is. Right. Edging goodness out of their life, adding gold out of their life. Ego is what creates the interference. It's counterintuitive that ego would deter from your confidence when most people determine ego to be confidence or arrogance. Uh, instead, ego is the interference. Ego is the need to survive, the fear in which we're not going to survive from the need to flee, fight, feed, or fornicate. We need to figure out what are these triggers that are creating this disturbance to our clarity, which are weighting ourselves to create unbalance 
and that are creating distractions from the focus and on what we want, who could help us, who we could help, how we can get it done and when and how to prioritize it in order to what? Apply the why. The more we're capable of applying the why, the more confidence we are, meaning the more confident we are that we're connected to and through the omniscient, all powerful, greatest source of energy of all time, that it is walking with us at all times, that it is inside of us at all times, that it created us at all times, that we are part and parcel to it. How could you not be confident, clear, balanced, and focused? Dave, uh, this might be, I don't want to call it a selfish question, but my girlfriend and I, she, she basically said to me recently that you've come up in my genius zone a lot more than I've come up in yours. And so she wants to learn more math and science and business acumen from me. And that's awesome. So we have whiteboards all over the house. And, and we went back to first principles of certain scientific stuff. And we ended up on um, gravity, 9.8 meters per second squared, stuff like that. Uh, Newton's laws. So I know that Newtonian physics and mechanics has been... Um, I don't want to say discredited. I don't know what the right term is, but I would, what are your thoughts on Newton's laws and how do you apply them if at all? Because I know you've talked to me a lot about, about quantum versus Newtonian. And I, and I want to understand how you reconciled that. Did you always study quantum physics or were you in the Newtonian, you know, frame for the first part of your life as well? Yeah, I've reconciled Newtonian uh, thought that I studied at first with physics, metaphysics, and quantum physics. And the way that I do is the law of gravity itself in the quantum field says what? I'm at the right place at the perfect time. That's all it says. So in other words, I am healthy, happy, worthy, and wealthy in the quantum respect. Therefore, I can utilize in the Newtonian sense the law of Goya getting off my ass at the speed of light in the Newtonian science of doing everything I can, doing the best I can, enjoying it by learning lessons and having fun, but then transcend Newtonian thought or physics into quantum physics, which says inherent in that is a beacon or a frequency or a vibration. Inherent is that in that is personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions that have been energetically inherited as well as Newtonian genetically inherited in order to create an allowance, a beacon and attraction. And so when you can reconcile Newtonian science with metaphysics and quantum physics, you'll start realizing that I believe Newtonian The law of gravity is part and parcel and the best starting point in order to effectuate the great physical realm of trillions of universes, of quantum physics, of understanding timelessness in five dimensions or six dimensions, whatever you may believe, when we can reconcile those, because in the quantum sense, if there's infinity, then Newtonian science have to be a part and parcel of infinity. And so where does it play its role is the bigger question at the speed of light when where the frequency of Newtonian science is much more applicable in the realm in which we live, meaning gravity and in, in the law of being at the right place at the perfect time is much more important in the law of Goya, of doing everything we can, the best we can, getting off our ass and doing it is much more applicable at the speed of light than the speed of thought, where quantum physics, metaphysics and physics are really the things that allow us to transcend the other sciences into a multiple to a multitude of infinity. And potential. Uh, can I ask one more? Yeah, please. Uh, Dave, where do you think is the biggest gap in our awareness as human beings? Like in terms of like the the total aggregate of like faith. we're innovating on the shoulders of giants faith. as a species. Okay, go ahead. Faith, yeah. faith is the void. So every time you think you have you know reached a, a limit or a, a milestone, 
faith will take you until you have crumbs. You know, that, you know, faith to me is the void, the shortage and the, the obstacles because your faith is limited because faith itself should be unlimited. And we can't fathom the size, scope and scale of faith. We try our best not to interfere with the enormity of faith, but faith is the currency of all. Faith is the object of energy that we put into the flow of all to get everything we want. Only if you believe to some extent, whatever extent is possible within the construct of your human existence, that there's enough of everything for everyone. But I will tell you, the reason that we can't even understand it is because we're taught from the time we're little, infinity plus one. So the fact that you can't even understand or why you would say infinity plus one, then you don't understand infinity. We can't understand the size, scope, and scale of a trillion universes with zillions and zillions of data points or whatever numbers or constructs. They're still just crumbs. Unlimitlessness is terrifying. And the more that we have faith, the more we can understand the possibilities, the probabilities, and the perspective. All right, boys, I got one more question. Let's rock and roll. Uh, so I was listening to your road to revenue and you talked about how somebody like Jeff Bezos, their imagine or their reality has become greater than your imagination of what was possible for them. Do you anticipate that will happen for you where your reality will become greater than you imagined for yourself? And is that possible? I hope not. I think it's possible. I think it occurs. Uh, I more hope that my reality surpasses so many people's imagination that it inspires them to think bigger like Jeff Bezos has inspired me to think bigger and to realize that stop asking for crumbs. And so I think just understanding in context, you or someone else, where does your reality sit and where does your imagination sit? And then ask yourself, where would infinity take you? Or at least where would plus one from your imagination take you? try to extend, you know, if I want to empower over a billion people, why can't I empower over a billion people or over a zillion people or empower the entire zillions of universes? Why am I limiting myself? Ask yourself, why and how does my reality surpass other people's imagination? And am I challenging myself to expand my own imagination? Because it got to become a possibility before it becomes a probability. And it definitely has to be a probability before it becomes your reality. My boys, I can always thank you for extending and expanding my own imagination by questioning, trusting, and vetting me for everything that I can know and will know, allowing me to download it from a higher source to share with you with great appreciation. And most importantly, when I give it away to you, it allows me to acknowledge what I have, to acquire the knowledge of what I've had. This is a, such a beautiful, mutual relationship, me coaching with you. It's the Next Level University, Kevin Palmieri, Alan Lazarus. Thank you so much for always joining me. And remember, most importantly, my boys, be kind to your future self. And do yes, good sir. Things. Thank you, as always, Dave. We love you. Thank you so much, love Dave. You Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, as always, for joining us for another episode of Next Level University. One podcast episode can change your life forever. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you care about deeply. And we will talk to you on the next one.